Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday, and welcome to the D&D Sports Podcast. We had a lot of action this weekend, ranging from college football to NFL, all even to World Series gameplay. Um, David, take it away with some college football. What games were you? Uh, what games intrigued you the most this weekend? Um, a lot of action-packed games this weekend. Um, starting with you know in the top twenty-five. Um, just going down the list, you had uh, Clemson who defeated Syracuse. Um, another standout performance by uh, Trevor Lawrence, um, who was take, taken out of this game, I believe. Um, then you have Alabama rolling over Tennessee, who, you know, Tennessee continues to skid after, you know, they were um, really praised at the start of the season. Um, Notre Dame must have watched our podcast because, you know, we talked bad about them and then they had a statement win against Pitt, uh, Pitt. and uh, kind of uh, one of the one of the shocking games. And I, by shocking, I mean, you know, I thought Ohio State would have a little bit of rust coming into the season, but they kind of dominated Nebraska. Um, wasn't really even close at all. Justin Fields missed one pass um, all game going 20 for 21. For 276 um oklahoma state and iowa state the big uh the big matchup that really uh that was really um kind of the uh i guess the highlighted matchup of the weekend um i mean came down to the wire um iowa state recovered an onside kick and but uh, oklahoma state had called a timeout and so they had to re-kick it and when they re-kicked it oklahoma state recovered um, the upset that I predicted this week, Indiana did defeat Penn State on a very, uh, on a very questionable, you know, controversial two point conversion where the ball kind of hit out of bounds and the pylon at the same time. Um, which, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that more here in just a second, but continuing the rundown of top 25, um, my Mustangs from SMU, um, they hit a snag in their um, campaign for the playoffs this, uh, this week against Cincinnati. Cincinnati kind of dominated that whole game. Um, it kind of just started to, to fall apart for them at, uh, right before halftime. Um, they they kind of let like 30, 30 to 40 seconds run off the clock when they could have been running plays, and it just it ultimately crumbled in the second half for them. Uh, Miami beat Virginia barely. Um, I apologize for, you know, knocking Virginia and telling them they didn't have a chance. BYU dominated again. North Carolina defeated North Carolina State in the uh, battle on the East Coast. Um, Michigan looks like they could possibly contend. Obviously, they still have to make it through um, Ohio State, uh, which they have not been able to do in years past. Uh, But they're going to have to, you know, keep up this momentum um, with their dominating performance against Minnesota uh the really the the big upset I guess uh you know besides the Penn State would be this uh Wake Forest team who kind of came out of nowhere uh to beat number 19 Virginia Tech you got Kansas State um finding a way obviously to beat Kansas who's really struggling this season um they finally got less miles back though so their record should be improving here in the near future Marshall won and the boys from Coastal Carolina took care of business, um, twenty-eight to fourteen over Georgia Southern. So that kind of round, rounds out the uh, top twenty-five. A few games of interest outside the top twenty-five uh, that we we'll, we need to mention: um, Oklahoma continues winning. Um, 
in their quest to get back into the ranks, um, defeating TCU. Um, Texas beat Baylor and Baylor's return to uh, conference play. Um, a couple of other scores of interest would be uh, Florida State, kind of the wheels falling off um, in Tallahassee, um, losing to Louisville 48-16. to And then the last one that I wanted to mention um, of, of kind of interest, um, Georgia Tech did lose to Boston College 48-27. to um, But anyway, kind of getting back to, um, you know, the bigger games, um, and these top 25 matchups. I, love, I wanted to talk about this Penn State-Indiana game um, and how kind of the wheels just fell off of Penn State ultimately. Um, so no knack to their offense. Um, their offense, you know, really showed up. Their defense is all ultimately let them down in the end. But I'm just, I just want to talk to you a little bit about this, you know, because we're going to bring it up again later on in the show. But this poor clock management by teams, whether that be leaving too much time on the clock, not giving themselves enough time on the clock. Um, I, it's just, it's just something that, you know, I feel like has been preached and like, even in the high school ranks of just, you know, with the players, the coaches, everything. I just was curious what your thoughts were on, on, you know, the poor clock management uh, as a whole, this whole weekend. Cause we'll talk about this too in the NFL ranks. Yeah, there was a couple NFL games that I was watching yesterday that I was just like, why would you do that with this much? But um, regardless, it's becoming a bigger apparent in the sports world about clock management across all major sports. And it's just, it's weird to think that coming down to these finals, these most important parts of these games, that you're not fully thinking through all of your options you're either rushing to get something done or you're forcing it. Um, in the case with Indiana, they were given too much time and they were able to just take it all the way down essentially and, you know, pull it out for the win. You just, there's too many mental mistakes going on with coaches and trying to force things when they don't need to be forced and calling plays that, basically will be turning into gambles for jobs later on when they look back on this season. Yeah. And specifically for this, uh, this Penn state game, specifically talking um, the, the two games that I'm going to highlight, obviously will it tr- translates to the professional level when we get to that later on in the show. But the specifically in this game, the, the play that ultimately cost them the game was the Devin Ford touchdown run um, for Penn State with a minute 42 to go. Um, he had a wide open lane. Indiana was l- basically letting him score. And rather than falling down on like the five yard line after he picked up the first down, he continued to stumble in. And he kind of realized about as he stepped in that he should have tried, f- fell down. And you could see it in his face that he had made a mistake. So this one doesn't necessarily fall on the coaches. Um, but this is kind of just those he- that heads up play like, oh my, we don't want to score with that much time with it only being, an, uh, you know, with them scoring and kicking an extra point is eight point game. Ultimately, that then it kind of falls on your defense, your defense needs to make a stop they they were unable to goes to overtime. Um, they go for one. I was, I, I as a fan was yell, was yelling into my TV, I was telling them to go for two, because if you look at this, this game overall, I mean, Okay, so we'll just compare some stats here. 488 yards of offense for Penn State, uh, 211 for Indiana. Um, you have three Penn State turnovers that 
ultimately cost them a lot. Um, specifically um, towards the end of the second quarter where they had a, uh, I believe it was a fumble or my, I think it was a fumble and uh, it gave them a, a really, really short field to work with. Um, then you have first downs, 27 for Penn State, 16 for uh, Indiana. So it was only a matter of time before Penn State really just put the hammer down and finished this game off. So, you know, I, even myself as a fan was telling them to go for two in overtime and they just, you know, called the right play. Um, ultimately, that 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 last second, um, that last second play, kind of. I mean, if it was called uh, not a not a conversion on the field, I don't think there was enough to change it. Just like they didn't change it because there wasn't enough to overturn it when they called it a conversion. So I think it's just one of those toss up, you know, plays that um, really ultimately cost Penn State the game but I think Penn State kind of their defense collapsed when they really needed to step up and it just ultimately is one of those games where it's, you look back on their season and they could you know run the table but you know now instead of having all the confidence of the world coming out you know with a overtime victory or even just a, a regulation victory going into Ohio State um, now you're going into Ohio State after a demoralizing loss um, this is the, only the second win in Indiana's program history um, over Penn State since they joined the Big Ten. So it's it's got to be demoralizing. They're going to have to regroup. Um, one bright spot is that um, is that Sam Clifford has been running the ball. Ex- or sorry, Sean Clifford has been running the ball uh, as well as throwing the ball efficiently, um, excluding the two interceptions. But other than that, I mean, it's a pretty demoralizing loss um, if you're a Penn State fan. And it seemed like Penn State was actually just playing so much better than Indiana was until that fourth quarter. And, you know, they just couldn't get it done in the final quarter, final overtime. Yeah, so. and it was, it, was, it was a slow start. Um, the the first half uh, turnovers kind of stalled out two of their really more promising drives. Um, so it was, it was definitely, uh, it was, it was kind of all Indiana defense in the first half, but then they got their offense moving, you know, they, they got a, uh, a big play from, uh, Sean Clifford, uh, the 60 yard pass. And then ultimately the Devin Ford run that should have, I guess, technically iced the game, even though he did score. Um, it's just, it's just tough. Um, Ultimately, you can think about that two ways to coach that. You know, okay, you realize you scored. Do you go for two to try to end the game? Because um, then either way, they still have to get a touchdown. Um, but then you, you trust your defense to stop a two-point conversion, um, which he ran in untouched. Um, Michael Penix Jr. did. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like there's it's a double-bladed sword. You know, you go for two there. Maybe, maybe you get it. Game's over then. It's just, a, it's just something that – I mean, he's going to have to look back on it um, all year long, uh, especially this this loss. to. Indi- Hopefully this Indiana team does well because um, that will help the Penn State's case to possibly make the playoff. But right now, really demoralizing Penn State game. Um, one more game that I did want to kind of cover a little bit more in depth is uh, – is, is it has to be this, um, this uh, Michigan-Minnesota game. Because a lot of people, you know, thought uh, specifically me, I thought Michigan was going to choke this game. Um, I was wrong in this in this prediction. Um, this Michigan team, though, came out here was kind of firing on all um, 
all cylinders. And, you know, like my early prediction is I could see them getting, you know, second or third in this, in this big 10. Um, I, I just don't see them really getting slowed down and until they run into Ohio state. Um, yeah, but I see it just depends on how they're sch- They both have slightly easier schedules. Um, we will see them play each other. What? Two weeks or is it next week? What? Ohio state and Michigan. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's the week before Christmas. Oh, it's 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 the last so it's the last week of the season. Um, next no next week they they go into Michigan State, which should be an easy you know. And Indiana. Kind of kind of. Hopefully they stay healthy. Then they have to go play Indiana, who's now ranked, um, after their big upset, and then Wisconsin, uh, at they home. Got that, they got that Rutgers team who put up that uh, W last, yes on Saturday. Yeah. Michigan State. Uh, yeah, I still think that this Michigan State team is bad. Um, it, they just historically have underperformed in the in the collegiate football. You know, they've always been kind of there, like top three, top four. But I think this is one of those years where it's just nothing's really going to go right for them this season. Um, but yeah, I, it's just I, I really think that this Michigan team has a chance. Um, specifically because I'm not sure exactly what Wisconsin team is going to. Uh, you know, show up. Obviously, um, they got the job done against a really bad Illinois team. Um, but I know that there's a lot of people who, you know, kind of bought high, but can definitely see that this Wisconsin team kind of falling apart here uh, towards the latter half of the season. Um, yeah, and uh, Grambert's currently uh, tested positive for COVID after uh, the game. So we will see how that actually um, – we'll see how that turns out for next weekend. Um, but with that being said, we're going to wrap up that um, for now. Um, we will have our pre our, our uh, college pre-show on Monday – or on Friday, rather. Um, I do want to say Mizzou won. That's – that's two weeks in a row Mizzou has won a football game. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's pretty incredible. Um but now we're going to shift over to the professional uh, level. Um, pretty pretty action-packed Sunday. Um, ooh, I don't even know where, where to begin. Um, begin for, first off, I'd like to – Yeah, no, first off, I'd like to state for, you know, everybody watching, if you did see Friday's Facebook – or uh, yesterday's Facebook Live, uh, you would know that I – did make the comment on there that the only undefeated team to make it out of this weekend would be Pittsburgh. And as the miraculous leg of Zane Gonzalez made up for his early missed overtime field goal, um, they did come out, uh, or they did take home the victory against Seattle last night, 37 to 34. So I'd like to start off by saying, told you so. Okay. If Goskowski doesn't miss that kick in the fourth quarter, it, it could. Fun. I mean, yes, you're right. The it could. It was also going to overtime. It would have went to overtime. But great game. Neither Both here nor there. Get it started. All right. I gave Atlanta a little bit of faith, and they really just, you know, could not seal the deal. And in another poor clock management, this time by a professional athlete, the same thing happened. Uh, unfortunately for Todd Gurley, he was in the middle of breaking a tackle, broke the tackle. He was kind of his forward momentum literally just took him into the end zone. He tried to fall backwards out of it. It just 
couldn't. He, he couldn't. He couldn't slow moment. down. He couldn't slow down. Gave uh, Detroit the ball back. They drove down, scored, won the game. Um, you know, okay. another heartbreaker for Atlanta fans. At this point, I think it's about time to pack up, pack up shops, start rebuilding for the future. See if you can get some, get some deals going. You know, obviously Calvin Ridley is still a good young receiver. Possibly, possibly shipping a Julio Jones for some draft capital, or you know, some younger, younger receivers that can build. Um, and ultimately, I think. I don't want to say tank, but you know you got to look forward to the draft and you know see the best possible pick that you can get, especially with the the remaining schedule. Um, yeah, this at this point, Matt Ryan is just he's it's just that defense that is really letting them down. The offense is there, don't get me wrong. They're able to put points on the board when they need to, and they're able to carry leads in late into the game. It's this defense that does not know how to finish the game that is consistently blowing 10 to 20 point leads after halftime. So they really need to find some defensive pieces soon because this season is over for them and they need to start trending for next year and finding those defensive pieces that can make this team a lot better for the next season. Yeah, and looking at the the schedule ahead, I, I there's only you know the next two weeks. If they don't win uh, the next two weeks, it's going to be a tough road for them. They have their two games against the Saints. Uh, they play the Raiders, the Chargers, both Bucks games, and then Chiefs um, for their Christmas games. So it's it, it's not going to be an easy battle. Um, I think if you don't win both of these next two games, I think you got to look ahead to the future. And I mean, I know for Falcons fans, you don't want to hear me say this, but I think that if there was ever a time for you to tank, and I mean to legitimately tank, um, you know, obviously you don't want to intentionally tank, but if you tank this year and you can come out of the draft with either Justin Fields or uh, even possibly, depending on if the Jets can get a late surge in the season, which they probably won't, but you could get a Trevor Lawrence if they both come out of the draft. You can get one of those two. I mean, I, I don't know why you wouldn't, um, especially with Matt Ryan aging. Um, obviously, you don't want to have to draft a quarterback when you need it. We've seen that in the past. You know, when Sam Darnold got drafted, unfortunately, his career really hasn't taken off. But then you have Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, who sat behind a starter for a year or two and then got to get given the reins. They have seen success. And so I think that if you're the Falcons, you look ahead to the future, you draft a quarterback, um, this year in the draft and i think that you just keep moving forward but i think that this season is kind of a wash especially if you lose to the panthers um even though they are going to carolina i think that this falcons team is really going to need uh to figure things out and we'll talk about that more on sunday but just wanted to mention you know just the the fan for the fans i feel for you yeah this but moving on to another stinker of a game for at least one team is that Dallas Cowboys Washington football team game where once again Dallas has felt the presence of a quarterback get injured and what a hit Andy Dalton took to be knocked out of the game to bring in a brand new quarterback that 
is a rookie, I believe, drafted out of JMU at Ben DiNucci. Um, who? Go ahead. No, no, keep going. You can explain it. This is this is your game, buddy. Yeah. So, Ben DiNucci is a first round draft pick out of JMU. Um. James and, Madison, uh, Division One A school. For those of you who do not know, fair enough. And this is now his team. Um, Andy Dalton has entered concussion protocol and will probably be out for at least one game. Uh, so we get to see a rookie make a new start on next Sunday. But what an atrocious day for this offense and defense of Dallas. There was no urgency to play. They both well, like they just lost their dog. Um, and it was just an appalling scene to watch them not only have Andy Dalton get hit and knocked out of the game, but them have no energy to want to play after that point. They looked defeated when this game got to halftime. I mean, they scored three points in the first quarter and didn't score anything else. They made it to the red zone four times and couldn't make, complete anything out of it. Um, Andy Dalton had a fumble. Ben DiNucci had a fumble. Um, Ezekiel Elliott had 45 rushing yards on the day. I mean, nothing got done. But on the flip side, Kyle Allen had 194 yards with two touchdowns. Big day for Antonio Gibson, rushing for 120 carries, 128 yards, one touchdown. Um, Terry McLaurin is still looking like the number one receiver out there in Washington. And it's this was an all. This was a way better game for Washington. Um, they actually looked like they knew how to play football today. And now for that, they have now tied Dallas in the standings. And this NFC least division is really starting to be divided. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's one of those divisions that you know we we talk in week in week out. Um, this Dallas team, you know, I think Ben DiNucci does add something, uh, a factor that um, that Andy Dalton really didn't have. And I think that, I don't know, you might not, for those of you who haven't been able to, you know, watch Division, you know, the FCS. Um, when I say Division 1A, I mean the FCS. So if you didn't watch FCS games, um, you would not know who this Ben DiNucci is. But, I mean, he led the uh, – he led James Madison last year to a 14-1 record, ultimately lost to North Dakota State, the powerhouse of the FCS, in the championship game on a last-second interception. Um, so I think he, he does add the, the scrambling um, factor. He does have a lot better feet than um, Andy Dalton has, which not to knock Andy Dalton, you know, when he has 16 of your team's um, 83 rushing yards, obviously Andy Dalton can move a little bit. Um, but this team is going to have to figure out their identity. Um, they gave up 25 points to one of the worst offenses in National Football League, and they're going to have to just figure out. They're going to have to. It's gut check time. Um, it's still anybody's division. There's, I mean, there's still anybody can win this thing. So it's going to be very important for them to win every game because every game matters at this point. So we'll just see how they do come out with the uh, rookie quarterback and uh, see if he can continue. I mean, you know, we didn't get to see a whole lot of them. We have small sample size, so we'll see what happens. Um, but I'll flip, flip the switch for a little bit, you know, enough about Dallas. Uh, Washington, you know, Kyle Allen was effective. 
Um, obviously, his completion percentage was a little bit low, but um, not terrible overall. Um, so, you know, Antonio Gibson finally kind of had that breakout game that, you know, the reason why he should be the lead rusher. Um, so, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to watch this division for the rest of the season. And, I, and that's pretty much all I'm going to leave it at is it's just going to be interesting. Um, because there's not really else you way to put it. I mean, it's kind of anybody's division at this point. Um, nobody's separated themselves. It's kind of a wash right now. Will it be the Eagles? Will it be Dallas? Will, you know, Washington or even possibly the Giants recover? You know, I mean, it's anybody's season. So look forward to watching it. Whichever team does win this, NFC at least gets bounced in the first round of the playoffs anyway. So most likely, yes. Not to rain on anyone's parade. Because I am a Cowboys fan, but no team, none of these teams are good enough to be playing in the playoffs this year. So there's that. So flipping to one of the games as kind of uh, kind of a surprising uh, barn burner um, would be this uh, this Cleveland Browns team coming off the tough the, the I wouldn't even say tough I'd say demoralizing uh, loss to Pittsburgh um, where they just couldn't get anything right. Um, Baker comes back with a five touchdown day. Uh, but on the other side of the field, talking about Joe Burrow, I think he listens to our podcast because he just always, every time I dog him, he comes back the next week and throws for multiple touchdowns and 300 to 400 yards. This time, 406 yards. Um, the one interception. I mean, the game kind of fell on his back. Um, and I think that, you know, this is, he's kind of used to that, um, specifically with his um, – record-breaking passing attempts in college. Um, I think, you know, he's used to throwing the ball a lot. He's used to having the game in his hands. So I think with the loss of Joe Mixon, you know, the game kind of fell on his back more, and I think he kind of thrives with that, um, which is something that they might need to think about in the future um, when when calling plays um, there in Cincinnati. But um, one more thing I'd like to mention about this game. Uh, Cleveland did, however, um, unfortunately lose o- Odell Beckham Jr. for the season. Uh, he was announced yesterday uh, after tests that he did tear his ACL um, on the interception when he chased him down to make the tackle. Um, so it'll be tough for them going forward without their uh, self-proclaimed number one guy. Yeah, and it, it is unfortunate. I mean, we were ta- uh, we were talking about uh, Odell early in the season, how he wasn't performing. Then he pre- and then he performs two games in a row. So you're thinking he's back. You're thinking this receiving core is good. Then he gets hurt. But what about the people that stepped up in this game? I mean, Rashard Higgins, six receptions for 110 yards. Harrison Bryant. Four receptions, fifty-six yards, two touchdowns. He was the red zone, the, the red zone target for Baker all day. Um, Kareem Hunt had another good day as the running the ball. Um, I mean, Jarvis Landry had you know six targets and had five receptions for forty-eight yards, and he was on the low end of the receiving from Baker. I mean, this Browns team looked good, and even this. I mean, you can't give. You can't take much away from Cincinnati. In all of their games, they have played up to the very final drive, and this was one of those games where they gave the ball back to Baker and they let Baker drive down the field to to with you know a minute and a half left. Um, towards the end, you give the ball back to Joe Burrow, 
he tries to force things late in the fourth quarter. You know, he feels like he has to make the play, and he does because he's a quarterback, but there was a couple times where he tried to force him, force the ball into really tight squeezes that I don't think he's ready for just yet at this level. I mean, back in college, he could have easily made some of those passes look a lot easier. But the final, you know, the final two throws where he forced it in the into the slots, you know, they were just padded. They were just batted down because there were three defenders right there. He just couldn't find the correct route to help his team win in the final drive. But don't take much. You can't take much credit away from Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati team. They are playing their asses off. They're just not getting the results they need. Yeah, and. Um... Like I said, it's still early in this man's career, but he's showing that he's capable of, you know, throwing uh, over 40 passes and being able to complete, you know, over 75% of them, um, closer to 85% of the passes. So, I mean, you know, obviously he's, he's rushed all, all, uh, all night, not, you know, with the uh, nine hurries and four sacks. So, I mean, it's, it's never easy um, for a young quarterback when he's getting constant pressure on him. Uh, so, to, you know, hopefully with the return of Joe, ultimately return of Joe Mixon, this offense can keep, get, you know, keep this momentum going on the passing attack, but then the rushing attack can catch up. Um, but I'd like to flip it one more time to the Brown side. Last thing about this game, but if you're ever looking for somebody, you know, from our, our I'm sure there's a couple of you Browns fans out there that'll listen to this, but uh, if you ever need somebody's jersey to get now, that will eventually be a huge factor on this team. And you can, you've heard it here first. My boy Donovan Peoples Jones. You heard it here first. He's a really good young receiver, rookie. Um, I believe he was a sixth round draft pick this year um, for the Browns. He's a really. Um, He's, he's not really super tall, but he's, you know, he's a lanky receiver who's, you know, is going to get you um, the uh, yards after catch. So somebody to look, look forward to. And, you know, even, you know, maybe in the upcoming weeks with the loss of Odell, maybe even, uh, you know, flex position um, on your fantasy team. But Donovan Peoples-Jones. And what a name the man has. I know. Talk about getting that on the back of a jersey. How much that cost? <laughs> Yeah, but um, next game um, on the schedule, you know, it's it's the big one. Um, you know, everybody knew that it was going to be a good game. Um, I think they knew it was going to be a defensive slugfest with the way the, the both defenses played going into this game. Uh, what was your thoughts, you know, Pittsburgh versus Tennessee and, and how it kind of ended, you know, ultimately <laughs> Gaskowski, you know, he's – missed a lot of field goals uh, at the early earlier part of the season and you know ultimately he's been clutched down the stretch and just he couldn't get it done uh last uh yesterday this one just got that kick just got away from him i mean if you watch the if you watch the video it's it is literally all the way up at the very up on the right um goal post and it just kind of veers off at the late it has a little bit too much hook into it to where it just hooks wide fairly wide right um but for the game itself i mean big ben was doing big big things for a while um but after you know once he hit halftime it kind of everything slowed down the whole pace of the game was slow and i think that helped tennessee pull back into the game um 
it went from momentum Pittsburgh to momentum Tennessee. Tennessee started rolling. Uh, Derrick Henry's, you know, was moving the ball, but he wasn't having his typical stiff arming type of game. But he still rece- he still had one touchdown. But what about AJ Brown and Corey Davis coming in clutch for Ryan Tannehill? Uh, you couldn't. This Pittsburgh defense had no no option to stop AJ Brown. They had nothing for him. He was getting open. He was beating receivers up and down the field. I mean, the seventy three yard touchdown throw. They weren't. They just didn't have an answer for it. But somehow, some way. This Pittsburgh defense held on to it. They they gave it. They honestly gave it their best chance. They put it in the hands of Tennessee, and Guskowski really did just kind of blow the game on it. Yeah, and I think that just really this game kind of came down to two key drives, and I'm going to mention both of them. Um, so. Um, ultimately the, the Tennessee defense got a huge, um, interception that they, uh, that it was deep in, um, Pittsburgh territory, I believe at the 30 yard line, um, late into the, uh, third quarter. Um, and unfortunately they were unable to get any positive yards. They lost, uh, three yards on the drive and that resulted in a field goal. Um, when you get the ball deep in your opponent's area, you gotta be able to score, I know they got points, but you got to be able to score, especially starting at the 30. Um, and then the next drive would be the Steelers on the flip of the script, the Steelers, that late drive that they had where Big Ben made the really bad mistake of trying to force the ball uh, to Juju Smith-Schuster down the middle um, that got picked off. You know, if they don't throw that, if he doesn't force that there, obviously it was third down, so they would have kicked a field goal. But, you know, it puts a lot more pressure on them that field goal, even if it goes in, they wouldn't be able to attempt that field goal. Um, they'd have to p- push the ball down. Chances are they'd make a mistake, throw an interception. So I think that both both teams, you know, really struggled down the stretch, um, ultimately in key drives that ultimately led to this game being a missed field goal um, away from being an overtime game, which I know that I would love to see these two teams go off in overtime. But, you know, it's a gut check win for Pittsburgh. You know, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And, you know, for the Tennessee fans, you know, Goskowski has won you four games this year, so you really can't be mad at him for missing one field goal that would have tied it. So, um, you know, this one just is a gut check win for Pittsburgh. And I, and I mean, both these teams are going to continue trending upwards uh, for most of the season, if not the rest of the season. So this is just a takeaway of two – two of the Titans in the league already, no pun intended. Um, but just of what, what could happen and we could see some playoff football. This is an early preview of what could happen later on in January. Yeah, I could definitely see this being a, uh, a divisional round uh, matchup, obviously um, depending on how the Steelers rest of the season goes. Ultimately, I don't believe them going undefeated. Um in fact, if you look at their ahead schedule, um, a a game that is very intriguing on their list that's coming up, you know, obviously is this one coming up next week against the Ravens. Um, I think that they should handle business against the Ravens. And uh, if they were to win a game, I think it will be this um, 
uh, not this game against the Ravens, but the next one. I think, you know, Ravens coming off of a bye uh, this past week. I think it's going to be tougher for them because, you know, Pittsburgh's already kind of rolling. And I think that um, if the Ravens are going to beat them, I think they might beat them, you know, um, down the road in, um, I think it's week 10, 11, week 11. So we'll see. We'll see how the things uh, ultimately go. Yes, we will. Um, but moving on, we are going to an another NFC game, and that is the Saints and Panthers that went on down at the Mercedes Benz Dome. Uh, this is this game was a lot closer than what most people thought. Um, you know, I think a lot of people didn't give um, credit to this Carolina team for really being able to hang around with the Saints team, um, but the Saints offense was very evident that they were missing Emmanuel Sanders and Michael Thomas. They just did not have the firepower they normally do. I mean, Breeze completed 29 passes, but, you know, only 287 yards to show for it, two touchdowns. Alvin Kamara did have a pretty good game um, overall, you know, with the 14 carries, 83 yards, and eight catches for 65 yards. So, obviously, we knew he was going to have a good game. Um, unfortunately to our viewers out there, Traquan Smith did only have the four catches for 54 yards, no touchdowns. So the prediction of a hundred plus yards and a touchdown was incorrect, um, for our viewers out there. Um, uh, but the, the takeaway was, uh, it seems that, uh, Marquise Callaway is going to be the, uh, lead target man, um, for right now, while Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders figure their stuff out. Um, he led the pack with 10 targets and eight catches for 75 yards. Um, so this, this Saints team is going to have to figure it out offensively. Um, I think it's, you know, especially with Tampa seemingly, which we will talk about in a minute, seemingly firing on all cylinders. I think, still think it's Tampa's division. Yes, I, want, I agree with you. Um, but let's talk about Carolina for a second. Teddy Bridgewater has been playing a little bit better as the season has been going on. He started off a little rocky, um, but he also had Christian McCaffrey on his side, so he could have he could do that. Now that we're seeing, when we first saw Mike Davis come uh, replace McCaffrey, we saw him act like McCaffrey. He was playing well. He was running the ball. He was catching. He was able to get out and open. But now we're seeing that production slow down a lot and it's starting to affect this Carolina team as a whole because they, they now do not have that rusher, that consistent 100-yard rusher per game. So now it is being uh, – Teddy Bridgewater is being heavily relied on, and he's making, his, he's making his case. You know, DJ Moore, four reception, 93 yards, two touchdowns. Robbie Anderson, six receptions, 74 yards, and so on. But with McCaffrey being able to come back – I believe this week or next week, depending on how the. I believe he slated. I believe he's slated for week nine. Okay, because I know this week's a short week for Carolina, so I'm not sure if they're gonna if they're gonna just give him the week off. But and he's he, gonna have to be 100 percent in order for him to bring bring him back. Um, we've already been, they've already interviewed multiple sources, and so he's gonna have to for sure be 100 percent because they do not want to risk re-injuring him and hurting his career. Right, but do you think this Carolina team needs him to even contend? Oh, I think so. I mean, obviously losing the running dynamic of an offense is, is terrible. I mean, only 283 total yards of offense, 250 of four of those coming through the air. 
And you, like you said, you know, obviously DJ Moore stepped up, but that was, you know, his four reception, 93 yard, two touchdown day was definitely weighted down by a 174 yard where he got behind the safeties of um, early in the game. So obviously, you know, 74 yard touchdown, that's over, over three quarters of the, those yards and one of those touchdowns. So, you know, it's, they're going to take a lot for them to compete in this division, you know, with the crazy NFC playoff picture, there's, you know, a lot of people are already slating that the NFC uh, West is going to have um, all the wild card spots locked up. Um, so they're going to have to really start showing me something if they want to sneak in as a wild card. Yes, they will. Um, but I, I think as the season continues, that NFC West division is going to kind of uh, stutter a little bit and not – they're not going to end the season as hot as they are right now. That is that is my opinion on that whole division as a whole. And, and we'll talk about that when we get into a couple games later on. But what about Tyler Bass? Please tell, please tell me about some Tyler Bass. Well, so a very stressful day if you're a Bills fan. Um, ultimately, you know, Tyler Bass started off the night um, shanking a really easy 41-yard field goal. And I kind of knew that this game was going to be one of those games where it's going to be a gut check game where it shouldn't even be close, but it's going to be close. And, you know, going down 10 nothing, I was a little worried, but I wasn't worried because I know that we're, you know, we're a decent enough team to where we're going to figure things out. But Tyler Bass, you know, came to the rescue. He figured it out. He fixed whatever he needed to fix. Um, Cole Cole Beasley stepped up um, this game, you know, with uh, Stephon Diggs getting a majority of the attention. um, And he was ultimately able to catch 11 of his 12 targets. Um, He's definitely becoming our, you know, number three option, obviously with John Brown out, he's, bumped up to number two option Tyler Croft being our only tight end um, in the game really you know stepped up and uh, did some things for us um, with his four receptions but ultimately had to be able to find the end zone even when we're down you know offensively Um, Zach Moss kind of emerged himself I think as possibly our lead running back candidate with Devin Singletary coming in for the passing game Um, you know with his seven carries for 47 yards I think we're starting to get him more involved. He is coming off the injury still. Um, so I think that, you know, it's it, a win's a win. Um, we escaped there with, for the most part, um, not too many injuries. We did, our defense did hold them to 10 points. Um, they really seemed to dial it in. I know the return of Matt Milano and a healthy Tredavious White really helped. Um, you know, it also helped that we got, uh, I believe we had six sacks in the game, which is a lot more than we've had in the last few weeks. So I think that ultimately we, it's something we can build off of, even though the offense, you know, the offense has kind of been the story in the first few weeks. Defense is, you know, caught up. Obviously it's a bad Jets team, but still have to shore up that run defense and look to look to uh, look to Buffalo for it to be a big buyer um, at the trade deadline for the specifically the running back position as well as the cornerback position. Yeah, and Josh Allen has really kind of 
come back down to earth after his uh, playing out of his mind for the first couple games. But I still think he, if he gets back on track, he was still a top top tier MVP candidate as of as of now. Um, and then yeah, like you said, Cole Beasley. Uh, helped to play tremendous, uh, tremendous role in getting the ball moved to help Tyler Bass get those field goals. I mean, a win's a win, like you said. As you and you go, you move into the next week five and two. You get to get away from this game, figure out what went wrong, and just put it behind you. That's all you can really say at this point. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, it's like him kind of tapering off. It ultimately. You know, obviously the offense always falls on the quarterback and, you know, them not being able to put up points in in terms of touchdowns falls on the quarterback. But, you know, he did finish with uh, over 300 yards, Um, you know, with the kind of mediocre days from Ryan Tannehill, Aaron Rodgers. And then, um, you know, um, I mean, Russell Wilson had a good day, but, you know, those three costly interceptions kind of weighed his performance down a little bit. So. Um, you know, he is still in the MVP uh, race. Um, you know, Kyler Murray kind of is a name that's a dark horse candidate. He struggled for like two to three weeks, though, where he was playing not real good football. So I think that ultimately, you know, you could put him probably in your top five in terms of um, potential MVP race. I mean, you got the Aaron Rodgers, the Russell Wilsons, and then you have um, Ryan Tannehill. And then I would put him probably at number four right now. Um, and it's still early season. He's got plenty of, plenty of time left. Yeah. Um, but moving on, we have a five and one Packers team playing a one and six Texans team. Yeah, we knew that how this game was going to go. Aaron Rodgers played pissed off the whole game. Um, specifically, I would like to say that the Packers played pissed off. Um, ultimately, with the very first run by Jamal Williams, um, where he basically ripped his helmet, or he had his helmet ripped off, and he just basically was jamming out to some heavy metal music and shaking his head. And I think that was ultimately the statement at the start of the game that they were going to destroy him. Devontae Adams finally had that number one receiver game that we've been waiting for him to have. Um, it was a, it was a dominant performance. We knew how it was going to go. Um, the defense kind of made it, cl- you know, kind of let up in the fourth quarter and it was a lot closer than what it, it probably should have been. But Aaron Rodgers, obviously, I you could tell if you listened to him on the Pat McAfee show on Tuesday that he was pissed off and that he was going to um, basically he was going to do exactly what he did and he was very efficient four touchdowns put the team on his back with a lack of Aaron Jones and they dominated there's nothing really else to be said about this this Houston team um is struggling um it it, it ultimately falls on the fact that they really don't have a leader right now um you know Romeo Cromwell stepping up in the absence of their coach but at this point they're kind of just playing for their jobs right um, and kudos to Jamal Williams for coming into the game and stepping up, you know, 19 carries, 77 yards and a touchdown. Um, it's always good when you can have a backup come in and do that for you while one of the best, honestly, one of the best rushers in the league is sitting out due to an injury. Um, Devonte Adams, I'm still upset that he had such a great game because I'm playing him in fantasy this week, but just... 
all-around Packers got back to what they were good at, and that is just move the ball with a high tempo. And this defense was locked down for a while. And, yeah, they let their foot off the gas a little bit, but they knew that they needed – they got it done when they needed to, and that's what mattered. So, Yep, dominant performance. Um, it, it really is kind of setting up for this really um, – you know, intriguing matchup with uh, them and the uh, the reigning NFC champion um, 49ers here in two weeks. Um, obviously, they have to make it through the Vikings first, but it is going to be interesting to see those two teams going up against each other um, because, you know, this 49ers team is coming off uh, what some are saying a surprising dominant performance against the Patriots, um, even though I'm pretty sure we were both kind of under the impression that um, this 49 team, 49ers team is kind of clicking um, it's starting to figure it out. You know, they, at first, you know, they relied heavily on their defense, but they're starting to uh, figure things out now. Um, and with that dominant performance, it wasn't even a Jimmy G dominant performance. It was a Jeff Wilson dominant performance. Um, the way he was able to run the ball made it to where Jimmy didn't have to throw the ball, but Jimmy went 20 for 25, 277 with two interceptions, no touchdowns. Meanwhile, his running back had 112 yards with three touchdowns. He literally carried the team. Yep, and the only uh, the only touchdown that he did not account for was the Kyle pick Juicy six. Juice uh, four yard run. There wasn't a pick six. Oh no, nope. It was the uh, Kyle Juicy Juice's uh, fullback dive for the touchdown in the uh, second quarter. So other than that, Jeff Wilson did basically put the team on his back, you know, carried him, uh, especially against a, you know, historically good new England rush defense. Um, but with that being said, 49ers, you know, you know, if they can get this ground game or they can keep this ground game going, it's less uh, for Jimmy G to have to worry about. So, um, but let's flip the script. Let's talk about it. Um, the man that, Many proclaimed was going to be the heir to the Patriots dynasty and was going to start it all over. Cam Newton uh, benched after a nine and fifteen day with three interceptions. Yeah, he just did not look good this game. I mean, he struggled. He couldn't. Looks like he wasn't able to find the route. The the routes he couldn't see over that defensive line. He was getting pressured constantly. I mean, he was only sacked once, but he was hurried up a lot. He couldn't hand the ball off because they was getting, they were bottleneck. They were, you know, the 49ers defense looked like the 49ers defense from the Super Bowl, and I think that was important this game to show that this team is still the same team it was, but this New England team is falling apart at the seams. Yeah, and I think it's going to be interesting to see during the week what happens. Um, unfortunately for the 49ers, however, though, you know, um, Jeff Wilson did have to leave the game, even though he had that amazing performance with the ankle injury. Um, but um, Jamichael Hasty did step up in his absence, you know, with the nine carries for 57 yards. So... <laughs> You know, this as long as this offensive, you know, can keep putting up this 200 yards rushing, 200 yards passing performances, I think it's it's good enough for this defense to hold them uh, teams to be able to win. Um, 
as they have in the past. So that's why I said it's definitely setting up an intriguing matchup with them coming up against the uh, Packers, um, especially with them having the Seahawks uh, going to Seattle to play the Seahawks next week, um, which that Seattle team will be playing um, pretty motivated after uh, their loss. demoralizing uh, loss. Last yeah, night. yeah, exactly. Um, finishing it out, we have uh, we have about three or four more games to cover. Uh, we have um, Tampa Bay and Las Vegas. Um, like most of us perform, like most of us assumed, Tom Brady righted the ship. Um, I knew that he was going to come out. Um, still have yet to see this running attack with led by Leonard Fournette really take off. Um, really efficient day for Tom Brady. Derek Carr struggled. Josh Jacobs and as well as Jalen Richards struggled to get anything going on the ground. Both of them being held under twenty five yards. And it just this Las Vegas the uh, offense just did not look like the same offense that played against the Chiefs. No, and I said on Sunday that they played to the level of competition they're against. That was not the case today or yesterday. They looked sluggish. They looked like they were a foot behind the whole game, and they were. I mean, they couldn't get anything going. And once again, this Buccaneers defense showed up. I I didn't realize Tampa Bay had such a stout defense until the past two games, and now I'm starting to say, okay, this team could contend. And it looks like we it looks like Tom Brady's getting back to getting back to form. I mean, three sixty nine, four touchdowns. This Buccaneers team needs is putting this league on alert right now. I mean, that's 369, you know, with without Mike Evans really being that huge of a factor, only two targets with two catches, and this team is also adding Antonio Brown. So I look forward to them um, in the upcoming weeks um, really getting it going, especially next week. I, I could see Antonio Brown being, you know, weaned into the offense next week against a really bad Giants team. Um, ultimately, probably won't be showcased too much until um, week eight or week nine rather against the saints where I think he will probably make his full debut. Mm-hmm. Um, but moving on to, there's not really much to say about the chiefs Broncos game. Um, it was a stomp. Patrick Mahomes well, was out. Um, and I think he was out during the third quarter. Yeah. And um, I mean, once drew lock through the first pick six, um, it was just kind of over at that point. I mean, it was, it was still, you know, a one-possession game after they kicked the field goal, but then obviously, you know, Byron Pringle returns the kick, and then that kind of put the, you know, uh, you know, it put it away at halftime. They came out. They were the only ones to score in the third quarter. And then the late touchdown run by Melvin Gordon, which only helped fantasy owners really. Um, so, actually, I, I apologize. He was taken out in the fourth quarter when they after he scored that touchdown pass to Tyree Kill, he was taken out. So, you know, obviously, Drew Locke struggled. He, he had a lot of pressure on him to do it um, with the ground game, you know, kind of being iffy. I mean, they did put up some yards. But, you know, whenever you face a high-powered offense, you're forcing yourself to score and make plays. And you have to play nearly perfect football. And he was 24 for 40, uh, which ultimately you're not going to win a game against the Chiefs going 24 for 40. Right. But, I mean, look for the Broncos to play spoiler 
later on in the season. I think they do have the team that can keep up with certain teams' uh, offense, but this Chiefs team is just too good right now. So don't take too much away from Denver. I think they'll they'll contend a little bit. They won't make. I don't think they'll make the playoffs, but they're gonna play. Uh, spoiler later on, week f- sixteen and seventeen. Um, moving on to the game that, uh, you know, was, I, th- I think it was like, it was, uh, on the, uh, pro football football show. This was the who cares game of the week. Um, Jacksonville at, uh, LA and, uh, you know, the chargers found a way to win. Um, Jacksonville had the lead late, um, ultimately couldn't figure it out. James Robinson, um, you know, pretty big day, scoring 31 fantasy points with 119 yards on the ground on my bench. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, Gardner Minshew, a pretty average day, um, just above 50% passing, um, two touchdowns. Uh, not much I can say about this game either, really. Uh, Justin Herbert managed the game well, ultimately let his team do it down um, – late in the uh, third quarter to give themselves lead and they iced the game with that late field goal by uh, Michael Badgley in the fourth quarter. So, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people think that, you know, Gardner Minshew is not the guy. And I think that if there was ever a sign, you know, losing to a very winnable game like this, um, is, is definitely something that is cause for alarm and, you know, this it's a very early season. I understand that, but Gardner has had plenty of opportunity to show what he's made of. And, you know, obviously a sack five times doesn't help, but sometimes, you, you know, you have to, you have to put the team on your back as a quarterback and win these tight games. Yeah. And I mean, so I remember Sunday I talked about him, him being on a short leash. He didn't get pulled, he didn't get benched. So maybe. Now we need to groom a new quarterback and see what happens. Uh, but I do think that you have to start looking at your options. And obviously it's a super early for like this to be a, a decision. But, you know, with next week, depending on how next week goes, ultimately we have – next week we have the debut of um, – uh, we have uh, the debut of – Tua, and depending on how he does, um, ultimately somebody who could be a, on the move, depending on how that goes, could be a Ryan Fitzpatrick. Bro, you know what we forgot to do? We What's forgot that? to talk about Le'Veon Bell's debut. I mean, that that is true. <laughs> we really didn't talk about it, but... But, I mean, he didn't really do much. I mean, we didn't expect uh, No, I mean, six carries for 39 yards. He really wasn't uh, – he wasn't a factor at all in the receiving game like many people thought. Um, ultimately, uh, it, it wasn't a very memorable debut, but also he's had one week of practice, so I'm not really, you know – Which is why I forgot about it. Looking forward – looking towards the future, obviously he could be um, – a a huge factor in the uh, future, but for now in the short, um, like I said, their defense and special teams kind of took care of this game. Um, so 
a lot of the backups got a chance to do their thing early in this game in order to make sure that everybody stayed healthy. This last game, though. What a game it was last night. Man, it was on the I had it, I was on the edge of my seat the whole night. Um, you know, I kept flipping between that and the World Series and Don't man they're on the World Series yet. <laughs> yeah, and I mean talk about talk about having a game first of all. Uh shout out to um a Mr. Tyler Lockett for putting on a show. Let me and tell I, you. And by show I mean fifty three fantasy points. I mean, 15 receptions, 200 yards, two touchdowns, or excuse me, three touchdowns. I mean, it really doesn't get much better than that. No, but what's hilarious is if you look at the targets by all the uh, Seattle receivers, um, there is a 15-target gap between Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, which is very – surprising for this team considering Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf's chemistry is unbelievable. Um, but other than that, Chris Carson got hurt. Carlos Hyde, I believe also went down with injury or am I, did I miss that up as well? No, uh, Carlos Hyde was still in the game at the end. Uh, okay. Um, I know Chris Carson went down with an injury. Um, and they had David Moore came out and did a play, but so what about Russell Wilson being able to throw three interceptions, but still keep the game as close as it was? How that's so you know with him, um, he did throw one interception uh, late uh, that ultimately should should have given the Arizona Cardinals. Um, a chance to um, get back in the game when they were down by 10 um, late in the fourth quarter. But, you know, what we talk about um, DK Metcalf making one of the plays of the century, um, tracking down Buda Baker. Um, and ultimately the Cardinals got zero points out of that drive. Um, they were uh, unable to score going forward on fourth down and turning the ball over as well as throwing the late interception that ultimately cost them the game. Um, and over time with about two minutes to go throwing a poor, uh, poor decision, um, which credit credit Isaiah Simmons, the rookie that, you know, has, has he gotten a lot of coverage because he hasn't done anything of note, but huge play by the rookie in his young career, um, giving his team the chance to win it. Um, and Zane Gonzalez isn't going to miss two 40 yard field goals. Um, so, you know, it was, uh, it was a really entertaining game. Kept me on the edge of my seat. Also, you know, I did predict this happening. I didn't think it was going to be this close, nor I thought that they were going to win it at the end of regulation, but you know, this division, I'm telling you, they're all going to play each other tough. And, you know, ultimately, I hope everybody escapes these matchups, um, you know, healthy. And But this is definitely going to set up for an interesting NFC West race. Yeah, I mean, when your best team is 4-2 and two right now, who has a chance of going 5-2, and two, it's – this whole division is extremely good. This is almost as good as the NL Central when they're on a hot streak. Yeah, I think this is ultimately going to, to depend on who gets hot. 
Um, you know, I think these teams are going to beat each other up. And I think, you know, the, that nobody's, you know, they're, every team in this division is going to have three, four losses. Um, the Seattle team has to, uh, or has the 49ers coming in town. Then they have to travel to Buffalo and then fly to LA. So, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see them, uh, how they can overcome adversity and look to them, you know, looking for that solid, um, you know, a complimentary defensive piece um, to Jamal Adams in uh, a potential uh, trade uh, with the trade deadline fastly approaching. But moving on to tonight's game, I believe we we did our picks yesterday for this game, but is there anything else you want to touch on about the Chicago Bears LA Rams game? You know, this is a very uh, interesting game. Um, this Bears Bears offense has really yet to really show what their potential um, is. Uh, I think, you know, from everywhere I'm reading, Khalil Mack was um, held out this week, and, you know, he's listed as questionable on a lot of people's boards. But I think he was held out, um, you know, just to get, um, get healthy for the game is more precautionary than anything. So I think that – this defense should be firing on all cylinders, but I think that this offense of the Rams is going to do enough to get them the victory. So uh, there's no reason why I think that um, the Rams won't get it done. Like I said yesterday. Yeah. And I think the opposite, I think the bears are going to come in um, and play this team really well. Uh, I do agree. They have to figure something out on offense, but I do think this defense can keep them, keep the game close enough to where the offense can get it done in maybe two or three drives, potentially. I don't see this being a high-scoring game. I, I, I believe it. It's not going to be a high-scoring game. Um, but I do think the Rams' offense offers a little bit more um, than the Bears' offense. So we'll have to see. That we will. Oh, now I guess we get to talk about what happened last night. Um, yeah, you know, um, over on the diamond, it's it's one of those it's one of those uh, series that it's going to it's a gut check it's a gut check for the Rays. They've been doing it all season. Um, you know, they're never they've been kind of thriving on this you know flying under the radar kind of thing. And now that you know the pressure's on them for this game six going to be really important you know I, I don't so i'm gonna flip the switch here real quick you know i'm gonna talk about this dodgers team so first of all i don't know if so, some of you guys you know have me on facebook you guys will know this but i made a post yesterday is i don't know who this clayton kershaw is but um and i made a joke about how he has a brown stain on his hat every every uh game uh, of the postseason and i'm like i just want to know what special substance he has on there uh to make him pitch not like himself um everybody says that uh he repaired his legacy i think he you know you can say he repaired his legacy but i think it's very important that they win this game six and they don't lose this world series because if they lose i don't think this helps his his legacy at all i mean obviously of course it it helps his legacy for you know only giving up the uh two runs but i think that ultimately they need to win for his legacy to be at all repaired because he is historically a terrible pitcher in the postseason. It's just he he's had years and years and years and years and years of it. And 
ultimately if his team wins, I think tonight we're, we're talking about, um, you know, uh, or not tonight is tomorrow. Tomorrow. Uh, yeah. So yeah, if he wins tomorrow, um, you know, maybe we can talk about a little bit of a repaired legacy, just a little bit though. Cause he's still a historically bad pitcher. And I just would like to know why it's Brown right here on his hat. Cause well, I know gotta, that ain't sweat. I know that ain't sweat. He's got to get, get his um, curveball going, right? Yeah. Somebody check his hat for me. <laughs> you know, that's going to be a, that's going to be a question of the day tomorrow. I, uh, I questioned it last night when I was watching the game. I'm like, somebody tell me what is, why is his hat brown? And don't even tell me sweat. Sweat makes your hat a darker, darker color than what it is yeah. or a gray. It leaves a gray line and a white line. You can even see it on my hat kind of. There's like white lines. But <sighs> Stupid. Regardless, this the Rays offense looked not great last night. I, that's what I'm going to put it. Um Rosarena needs help. I mean, Manuel Margot, that option to steal home. Personally, I think he was safe. Upon further review, I still think he was safe. Um, but that's that's a judgment call. I can't fault the umpire for what he's for the decision. I think even if you challenge that, I still think that it's still going to be considered an out, although you can clearly see that his hand is on home plate before he is tagged up on his shoulder. That's the only thing I want to say about it. I'm not salty. No, no, I agree with you. And honestly, that was something that I did see um, ultimately um, during the game is I did see that he probably should have been safe. Um, it was a close. Uh, but ultimately, they have to be able to hit with runners um, on – um, which they did not be able to do. You know, unfortunately, if we glass now in his um, debut in the World Series, he ultimately str- has been struggling. Um, it's very important for them to get out in this next game. And, you know, Blake Snell, he has the capability of going deep in the game. Um, he just has to work in the counts early. And somebody has to step up. Um, who's not a Rosarena or uh, Brandon Lowe. Somebody has to step up for this team um, offensively and, you know, make an impact um, throughout the whole player. game, you know, throughout the throughout the whole game. So uh, I, the one thing I'd like to mention about this game is, you know, watching it last night, I knew that Max Muncie was going to hit that home run. I, like, I was literally calling it. That pissed uh, me off. I, I mean, he, he – I knew the last pitch he had timed up and I knew that it was, <laughs> it was gone um, as soon as it left the bat. And he did too, with an emphatic, an emphatic bat flip straight into the ground. Um, but it is still anybody's series. Um, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be important for the Rays to get a lead early and just to keep it. Um, I think that the team that, you know, gets out to an early lead is going to be at a really extreme advantage, especially in this high pressure game. So we'll have to see how it goes, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, but what about those Tampa Bay hats, dude? Those things look sick. With the uh, yellow, green, and uh, navy ray? Yeah, they were definitely going to be getting me one of those. Yeah, they did, they, did look, uh, they did look pretty cool. But I do think this series still goes seven. Uh, I think Kiermaier is going to have the game of his life in game six because he's already having a great postseason in a World Series. 
So why not continue that trend in game six tomorrow? And let's go all the way into Wednesday and take and have Tampa in seven. I'm still going with it. I'm not changing my mind. Yeah, I don't particularly remember what I said. I, I'm thinking I said um, the Dodgers in six, but I, I will have to go back and watch our past episode where we made that prediction. Um, but, you know, it's it's going to be one of those games where it's going to come down to the wire. I don't think that either team's – I don't think either team's going to run away tomorrow. I don't think it's going to be a beatdown. Um, although today's – although excluding the third inning, I think that this game was – or this past game was quite a bit of a beatdown for specifically the uh, the Dodgers. The Dodgers really just controlled the whole game. They, they knew what they were doing. Um, but with that being said – Go raise. I'll say Let's that. Go. That's all uh, we need. I'll say that for sure. Cause I as much as I uh and it'll be one of the first times a team has won two world championships and might have a chance to win a third if Tampa wins the World Series. Really? Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup. If the Rays win the World Series and the Buccaneers win the Super Bowl. That's three out of four major sports. In which case, you could then attribute that Florida won all the championships if Miami would have beat LA. That's it. That is that is quite quite incredible. Now that you think about it, it's like, well, I did not actually know that. With that, with that being said, I think we're gonna wrap up this episode. But uh, obviously, with the upcoming, um, you know, sports. Um, kind of Lull. drop off, drop yeah, drop off. Well, um, we are going to try something today. Um, we're going to try to you know incorporate some more fun um, sports themed um, games, as you saw with like our Friday, our any our uh, our new weekly Friday trivia that's starting up. Um, we are going to do a name that mascot um, challenge today, and we are going to try to get. Um, an 80% or higher. Um, there's 130 schools on here. We're going to try to rep them out for you guys. Um, and we're going to try to get the best time. We have 12 minutes on the clock. We're going to just, we're going to try our best at this and uh, we're going to see how this goes. You, you ready to roll? Yeah. Am I allowed to see your screen? Oh, absolutely. One sec. All right. Well, here we go. We got the screen up. Um, we are going to um, – we're just going to get after it. All right. Well, it's, uh, um, 12, like I said, 12 minutes on the clock. We're going to try to get through all of these. Um, here we go. All right. Three, two, one. Let's begin. Um, I want to say that that's the Falcons. I believe you are correct. Um, let's go Zips. Uh, the Crimson Tide. Uh, app Mountaineers. Uh, Wildcats. More about spelling too. Uh, the uh, Sun they Devils. are the Sun Devils. Yes. Arkansas Razorbacks. Razors. Razorbacks. Yeah. Arkansas yep. State Wolves. Oh. They're the Red Wolves, aren't they? Yes. Uh, Army Blackjacks. 
Uh, what? I never didn't know that was a thing. Uh, there's the Jacks. I'm I'm almost they're they're. Oh God, I thought they were. Oh no! Wait, Blackjack is the name of their mascot. That's not their nickname. What is their nickname? Ah, uh, I'm not Army, so I don't know. Oh, is it the Black Knights? Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Blackjack, Black Knights. Uh, Tigers. I knew Card- how to spell Tigers. Cardinals. Wait, uh, Bears. Broncos. Uh, Eagles? Go- Golden Eagles. Okay, maybe it's just the Eagles. Uh, Bowling Green. Uh, they're the. Oh my God, I can see it. They're like a hawk of some kind. Can we skip this and move on? Yeah, skip it. Move it on. Uh, yeah, the Buffalo Bulls. Uh, BYU Cougars. Uh, Bears, the Golden Bears. Try the Golden Bears. Uh, Mustangs, I believe. No, there's Central Michigan. Ooh, skip it. Uh, Cincinnati is Charlotte's the, next. Uh, no, Cincinnati's the Bearcats. I don't know Charlotte. Uh, Clemson Tigers. Uh, they're I I know what their mascot is. I just, Isn't it a pirate or something? I don't know. It could be the Pirates. I don't know. Buccaneers, Buccaneers, maybe I don't know. Uh, 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 you didn't spell that right, but it's okay. Uh, Colorado Buffaloes or the 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 Bison, maybe I don't know. Is it Bison? Uh, it's Buffaloes. I'm pretty sure I don't know. Colorado State uh, Rams, Huskies. Blue Devils. Uh, those are that's the Pirates, or but I think they're, yeah, they're just Pirates. Mi- Eastern Michigan, I can't even think of that team. Mm, I thought no, it was no, Central Michigan. Central Michigan is the one that's like a horse. Um, Eastern Michigan. Now nah, skip it. Florida Gators. All we gotta do is get an eighty, so we just gotta keep rolling. Gators, uh, FAU Owls, uh, the FIU Panthers, Florida State Seminoles, uh, Fresno State Bulldogs, Georgia Bulldogs, weird, Georgia, Georgia Southern Panthers, nope, Wildcats. All right, we'll come back to that one. Wait, no, it's the Georgia State, not Jordan. So I think Georgia State is the Panthers, maybe. Okay, Georgia Tech uh, Hornets, I think. Nope. Oh, my God, what are they? They're the Golden Hornets? I don't know. I, I could have swore they're the, the – what's – all right, yeah, that's Ohio what? State. That's Ohio oh, State. I'm an idiot. Yeah, go to Hawaii, the Hawaii Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. Hawaii oh, Rainbow Warriors. Uh, Houston Cougars. 
wish I could spell today. That would uh, be nice. Fighting Illini. Uh, Hoosiers. I thought it was... Oh, yeah. I think it was Sooners. Hawkeyes. I'm an idiot. Detective. Cyclones. Cyclones. Jayhawks. Jayhawks. Kansas State Wildcats. Wildcats. Uh, Golden Eagles. Uh, oh, they're golden something. I can think. All right, Kentucky Wildcats. Hawks. Eagles. Try Eagles real quick. All right. Uh. Louisville Cardinals, University of Louisiana Lafayette. I think that's ULL. I think that's the Asian Cajuns. Oh, maybe not. Is that no? Louisiana Tech. No, it's not them. I I don't. Is it Ragin or Ragin? I promise I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I don't know. We'll have to look that up. I don't know. It's like with the. Uh, yeah, we'll just come back to that. We'll one. come back to that one if it comes out. Uh, Marshall Thundering Herd. Uh, Maryland uh, Terrapins. 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 Uh, e. I think it's E. It's an E, not an A. E. The, the first oh. one's an E. Pins. There you go. Um, Massachusetts. UMass is the Patriots. Okay, not the Patriots. Uh, Memphis Tigers. Miami Hurricanes. Miami, Ohio Hawks, I think. Hawks, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Michigan Wolverines. Michigan State, uh, uh, Spartans, Middle Tennessee State. Uh, they're like a Pegasus, maybe. I think they're the Pegasus. No, all right. Well, they, their mascot is a pe- like all right. Minnesota Golden Gophers, Mississippi State Bulldogs. You know what I've noticed? Tigers. A lot of these fucking. Nicknames are still uh, these are these are, they're they're mascots like a goat, isn't it? I don't know what they are though. The Navy sh- midshipmen, midshipmen, they're the midshipmen, not Mid the goats. Ship. Men, men, yeah. Okay. Uh, NC State NC- Wolfpack. Like who named? Who decided these? And Nebraska Cornhuskers. Yeah. Like, like the, that. The sad part is like I only know most of these because I played uh, mascot football um, in NCAA thirteen. Um, Nevada Wolf. I think this is the Wolves again, like the Wolf Pack. I think. Wolf. Oh my God! If I know how to spell Wolf. All right. Uh, New Mexico. Ooh, uh, New Me- I know New Mexico State is the Lobos. I think. Okay, maybe the other ones is the Lobos. Try New Mexico Lobos. Okay. Uh, North Carolina Tar Heels. Our hells, because they are hell. But Nar North Texas 
I they're Eagles, I think. What is not like? I... All right, not the Eagles. Cool. Uh, Northern Illinois is the. Oh my God, they're like a. They're a dog, I think. The Huskies. They're the Huskies. Which one? N I N I U. There you go. Uh, Northwestern Wildcats. Ohio Wild. I think they're the Wildcats as well. Bobcats. 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 Sorry, wrong, wrong kind of cat. Um, Sooners. Uh, did uh, yeah, you got it. Um, Old Dominion. Just skip it. Ah, I can't think of it. I'm I'm trying to get through all of them. The Ole Miss Rebels. Oregon Ducks. Beavers. Uh, Panthers. Uh wait, the the Penn State aren't they the Panthers? Oh uh, no, no, Pittsburgh Panthers. Sorry, Pittsburgh Panthers. And the Penn State, uh oh my god, I can't think of Penn State. <laughs> I just watched the game. The something Lions, right? Nittany Lions. Nittany Lions. They're the Nittany Lions. <laughs> I don't know how to spell that. N I T T A N Y Lions. Uh Rice Owls. Rutgers Knights, Scarlet Knights. It's, okay. Uh, uh, the the um San Diego State. Oh, they're like an in, they're like an Indian on a horse. Shoot. Skip it. Um, San Jose State, South Alabama. I think is the is the Cougars. Okay. Nope. Um, South Carolina Gamecocks. Uh, then you got what? South Florida Bulls. Uh, Golden Golden Eagles. Uh, Stanford Cardinals. Syracuse Oranges. It's just orange. Uh, uh, TCU Horn Frogs. The Temple Owls. Tennessee Volunteers. Uh, Texas Longhorns. Uh, Texas A&M uh, Aggies. The Texas State Bobcats. The Texas Tech Red Raiders. Uh, skip down to UA, no UCF, UCF, the Knights, uh, UCLA Bruins, 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 and uh, USC Trojans. Oh, time up 67. I mean, average score is 65. I think, okay, let's see a couple we missed. Bowling Green Falcons, okay, the wrong kind of hawk. The, the 49ers is Charlotte. The Chippewas. Uh, okay, so they have a horse oh. as a mascot, but they're the hey, chip- there's an apostrophe at the okay. end of Ragin'. Oh, my God. The ra- okay, it was the Raging Cajuns. It wasn't – okay. Uh, a lot of the times we said Hawks. Massachusetts Minutemen. Minutemen. Not, okay, not to be confused with the Patriots. Eastern Michigan Eagles. Oh, the Mean Green North Texas. Yellow Jackets, not the Hornets. Uh, the other name for it, the Mean Green. 
Uh, we didn't even get to this bottom side. So I, I was gonna say I knew, I knew, I knew. Most of these were most easy. Of those. I knew yeah. most of those. Uh, the miners. I knew the roadrunners. I knew Coastal Carolina after a minute. The Chanticleers. Yeah. Which is weird that I remembered that, but we spent a little bit too much time on some of them. I think we probably could have done better, but you know, hey, we had a good time. Um, we got sixty-seven percent. Not bad. We will. Uh, we'll try our hands at. Uh, you know, a, a different challenge um, on Wednesday's episode. But um, for now, I think uh, we're going to take this time to sign off. Um, you got anything else you want to say? All you got to say is stay tuned for the World Series. Yeah. Uh, Monday Night Football at night. Uh, and pay attention to those NHL signings and NBA signings as well. That all is all becoming an apparent in the near future. Yep, I uh, look forward to the you know conclusion of this um, MLB season, and as well as you know the stretch coming down um, in the next few weeks um, to months um, for the NFL and college football. Uh, we look forward to all the acquisitions that happen in the upcoming weeks with the trade deadline coming up in November. So, with that being said, we'll uh, we'll catch you guys on Wednesday. All right, Peace. everybody, take it easy.